Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And coming up today, we do have some sends in Europe to get to. Unfortunately, not all. Robbie Yarventi's Team Finland U20 games have been cancelled. We'll tell you why. And get back to our poll from yesterday, talking about some training camp battles. We have the results, and this is a race that is not too close to call. All that and... A couple birthdays to get to. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, November 5th. Happy 47th birthday to Alexi Yashin, former Sens captain. We'll talk about him and another birthday. But Pilsy, we got a couple tendies that, uh, well, one played, the other Sat on the bench, but it was still a bit of a milestone for Levi Marilina. Yeah, good on Levi. I mean, this this will be his first experience in Liga. He was the backup for Carpat, and uh, he sure he was the backup, so he didn't get uh, any playing time. But that's fine. He was still a big team guy on all the Instagram videos. He was high fiving the boys, being a good team player, as uh, we saw from Sen's prospect. That must have been a pretty cool experience for him. Like, your first time in your country's pro league, even if it's from the bench, right? So, good on Levi there. Yeah, and he's been playing in that U20 system, the way it's broken down in Europe, right? You just come up through the ranks under that organization. Very soccer-esque style. But he's been in that organization since he was a kid. Like, seems like he's born and raised there. So, to finally put on that Liga jersey... Must have been pretty special for Levi. We're excited for when he finally gets an opportunity to make saves wearing that jersey, but it is a step in the right direction. And it's a team where outside of Joel Blomquist, who we spoke about, the the draft pick who ended up being taken by Pittsburgh from the Matt Murray trade, so in Ottawa, what would have been Ottawa's pick, he's the only one who has any good numbers for that team this year, and he's only played two games. The other two goalies, more veterans, they don't necessarily have the best numbers, both under 900. So I wonder if that could lean to Maryland and getting his opportunity maybe a little bit sooner because we've seen him tear up the U20 circuit. This guy has a 928 save percentage. So that speaks volumes in itself. Whereas Philip Gustafson playing in the Allsvenskligen, what's, uh, what's the latest on Philly franchise? Before we get to Philly, though, I, I just want to say I think – like, sure, it would be great if he could uh, pass, Levi could pass those veteran goalies and uh, stick in Liga. But then part of me is like, you know what? I almost would rather have him just stay in U20 and start games, right? Like, the more playing time he's going to get, the better, especially in these kind of times where you don't know the season could be canceled tomorrow. So part of me is like, yeah, it's good for him to get a chance to experience Liga, but I would rather have him staying at U20, developing and actually starting games. But We'll see how that plays out, especially when you got Joel Blomqvist ahead of you in that Carpat Liga team. It's going to be hard to surpass him, so that'll be interesting. But the guy who is starting games, Philly Gustafson, not his best outing on this one. He stopped 31 of 35 shots in a 4-3 OT loss. But the funny part about that OT loss, good old former Belleville Senator Frankie Corrado 
gets the OT winner. You guys may remember Frankie Corrado playing 36 games with Belleville last season. He had 10 assists in that time. Two goals in 10 games with Moto so far. I actually liked Frankie Corrado. I thought that was a nice little pickup for Belleville when they were down to ECHL call-ups and anyone who had a pulse and a pair of skates could play defenseman for Belleville at one stretch. So uh, it, it would have been nice to keep him around, but uh, good to hear he's doing good things in Sweden as well. Oh, man, not good if you're uh, Philip Gustafson, though. That goal was a squeaker. Yeah. You think you would have stopped that one? Uh, I'm not going to make any uh, <laughs> any promises, but that's a tough one to look back if you're Philly Gustafson and you let your old teammates squeak one by you for the winner because that was a weak shot. Nice play, though. Good uh, good puck moving to, to get the puck to Corrado, but that's not one you want to let in. And that... That kind of hurts Gus's numbers. Now he has a four and five record, so a losing record. But his individual stats are still great. 2.27 goals against average and a .926 save percentage. So Gus is doing what he can to keep his team in it, but uh, just can't rack up those Ws. He really needs to string along a couple wins here to get uh, some momentum going. He, I think he's only had two two wins in a row this season, whereas it's been win-loss, win-loss. So Let's, let's see some consistency from Gus uh, heading forward here, hopefully. So it sounds like the same old story a little bit with Philip Gustafson. Still young, still has an opportunity to get into his groove, whereas Frankie Corrado is not on loan, no longer a part of the Sens organization. I want to touch on what you said there because you weren't kidding when you mentioned anyone with a pulse could play on the Belleville blue line. A quick count, I just went to their website, 16 defensemen played at least one game for Belleville. Now, Unless you're Guy Boucher, only six can dress in one game. So that says a lot about where the Belleville Senators were with call-ups, with injuries, the whole bit. So unfortunately, more under control than COVID, the pandemic has struck again. Unfortunately, Robbie Yarventi will not be in the Finnish lineup. Hey, there is no Finnish lineup. The game scheduled between Finland and Sweden. They were going to play their U-20s and their U-18 teams in a three-game series, a little tune-up coaches get to see what these guys bring in terms of getting them set for the world juniors which happens to only be a month and a bit away it's sneaking up on us in a hurry but Pillsy, do you think that this is going to be detrimental for a guy like Robbie Urventi or is his hot start in Elvis maybe these games weren't as important to him as it would have been for another guy to be showcased yeah, I wouldn't say it's detrimental because, yeah, like, like you said, he had a hot start. If if he had maybe the first, uh, I don't know how many games they played, but 10 or so games, uh, if he hadn't done very well, then maybe, yeah, you're saying, oh, man, this is a big missed opportunity. But he's already shown what he can do, and he's shown that he can definitely rack up points in a hurry if he's put in the right positions. And, yeah, it's this is tough news because we, we were really excited to watch this tournament, even though really our only skin in the game was seeing Robbie Yarventi. But it's always nice to uh, – to, the more hockey, the better, really. And it would have been great, uh, even though there's no Swedish prospects we're interested in as Sens fans, I would have loved to see how that team shaped up because they're going to be a powerhouse in this World Juniors. I mean, so are the Finns. But, so it would have been great uh, to have that, but – I think the Swedish and Finnish ice hockey associations did the right thing canceling here because once you get a couple cases of COVID amongst the team, you really don't want that to spread, especially since all those guys were traveling, would have been traveling back to their league teams, and then you're just spreading everything further. So tough choice, but right decision. 
Unfortunately, too, it it sucks because it was two players on the U18 team for Sweden that tested positive, but because Swedish, the federation, traveled there all together with both teams, it makes sense that they think it could spread to the other Swedish team. Therefore, you play the games, could spread to the Finnish team. And as you mentioned, all these guys are coming from so many different teams that it could just get into a complete gong show level territory. So they aired on the side of caution. Unfortunate for us not being able to watch Robbie play. He will be back in action pretty soon, though, on November 13th. Hey, we actually have a matchup here. Eels versus Jukurit coming uh, in the next week or so. So we'll get to see a Bramov take on Yarventi and Lassie Thompson. Lassie Thompson will be at Sens training camp. However, it seems like the plan will be to start him in Belleville. But we put up a poll about some other defensemen who have a chance to make the Ottawa Senators. Now, going into this poll, if you listen to yesterday's show as well and didn't just go off the tweet, we do believe that Christian Willanden has the inside track. He's on a one-way contract. He's 25 years old. This seems like the year for him. However, this is also a player coming off major surgery who played about 15 games total last season. So I'm not ready to just lock up a spot and give it to him. That's why we had him as one of the options in here. The question was, if which training camp battle will be the most competitive on the blue line? Will it be Willanen versus Lejoie on the left side, or will it be Zub versus Yarosh on the right side? You and I both said that right side battle will be more contentious, and the public agrees. We're not going to need a recount on this one, Pilsy. We're not going to have to wait until the 99th percent of the votes are in there is one hour as we're recording now at 9 30 in the morning here on november 5th but safe to say that we have a majority yeah it's going to be that right side battle that's the bigger battle for me and i just think it's it's because Willanen, he he's been in the system for so long if it wasn't for unfortunate injuries i think he would already have at least pretty close to a full nhl season under his belt last year so i think that's you you got to give him the edge over Lajoie. And like I said yesterday, I really think that this is Willina's job to lose. Maybe he doesn't start start in the top four, but he's definitely going to get a chance to be a top six defenseman in the NHL. And then if things don't go well, then maybe you start looking at uh, Lajoie down in Belleville and making that kind of switch. Yeah, and it's interesting too from this perspective because Artyom Zub is the only one who hasn't played for the Sens. Like Christian Willanen, he didn't get what would have been his biggest opportunity this past season. But the year before, after coming out of college, he did play 30 games at the NHL level. 10 if you include the the last games of the 2017-18 season. So he has just over a half NHL season under his belt. Whereas Max Lejoie, and you can argue that was he left in the NHL too long? Yes, but Lajoie actually has more experience at the top level than Christian Willanen. So that's where you can kind of get into a bit of an argument on who really has the experience factor. And then on the right side, Christian Yarosh played the 61 games for Ottawa two seasons ago, that same year that Lajoie played. No no surprise that the, their defensive game wasn't that sharp with those two and Cody Ceci, those two 20-year-olds, and uh, number five out there on the back end for Ottawa. But Artyom Zub, yeah, he's kind of the, the a bit of a wild card. I mean, I'm sticking with what I said yesterday in terms that Eric Branstrom really does dictate what's going to happen on this blue line. Yeah, I think Branstrom's kind of the the missing puzzle piece to all of this because 
not only is he touted as one of the higher prospects for the Sens as a defenseman, for sure, he's definitely number one on, on my list. It's also the fact that he can play on the left or right side. Whereas most of these other guys, you're kind of you're kind of locking them in on either left or right side, depending on their shot. But I think Branson, you can go either way. But we said it a couple times on the show. I think the right move here is to get Branson comfortable in Belleville, get get him some reps as a top pair defenseman. So that way, when he comes to the NHL, he'll he'll have worked on his defensive side and getting stronger on the puck a little. And then hopefully, like when they bring Eric Branson up, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't want to see him back in Belleville ever again. When he's up, it's for real, and we're going to see him starting to at least trying to contribute as a top four defenseman in the NHL. Where I think the poll went off the rails a little bit, and to get the numbers involved, over 500 votes, 66% think that right side battle. However, that right side battle is probably for the seventh defenseman spot because you have Zaitsev, Gabranson, and Josh Brown all making over a million dollars on the right side. And you got to think the way that Dorian touted Josh Brown is just scratching the surface. The Zaitsev contract simply isn't going anywhere, especially this year. And Gabranson is on a one-year deal, and they made it clear this guy's an NHL. Or hell, he's got the most games played on the entire blue line. So he's going to play. So that right side seems set. It's just a matter of Zub Yarosh. And as you pointed out yesterday, Pilsy, Zub not needing waivers. And then on the left side, Ah, we'll save that for tomorrow. Lots more to get into going through this offseason as we are almost 240 days since the Ottawa Senators played. This is actually our 125th episode since that fateful night in Los Angeles. But I was going to say it's crazy to think it's been that long, but really every day is just getting longer and longer. However, with the NBA saying that December 22nd is their start date, Pilsy, I wonder, do you think that that would push the NHL in any way? Because this is a league, they follow what the NBA does, it seems, often. And I've heard rumors that we're going to have to wait till mid-February to get hockey. But they can't let the NBA dominate TV and, and just being in front of all the viewers' faces. It's going to be out of sight, out of mind. And it's going to be tough for the NHL to come back if it's that long of a break. The NHL and the NBA are the only two leagues that are intertwined like this, right? Because they share the same arenas. Uh, a lot of the NHL and NBA teams are in the same location. So you've got to think that they're coordinating their plans and protocols and schedules together because it affects one another directly. So I think it's really interesting. I didn't realize the NBA was planning on starting that early. That seems uh, very early compared to other leagues, but I think maybe the NHL will want to see how things are going with the NBA before they hop in. You mentioned uh, you heard the NHL might not start till mid-February. I would be shocked if it took that long as, as far as I know, their tentative date is still January 1st, 2021. (laughs) Obviously, tentative is uh, the word of the day for 2020, so we don't know for sure, but we'll see. If they're talking about that January 1st date still, that means a training camp starts December 15th. Wouldn't you think we need to know by now Yeah, these guys all geared up? But I don't think that that's realistic. I think the NHLPA will fight back. Like, what's the point of having training camp? Then Christmas is just at such a weird time to start there. Let them have their Christmas with their families. Report to camp on January 4th. 
Let's get this season going January 15th. Let all these kids, let Kirby Dak go and dominate at the World Juniors. And then we'll, we'll fix it from there. But to wait until February would be a huge mistake. One thing that's good, though, is it looks like the Sens have hired a very prominent Toronto-based ad agency, Zulu Alpha Kilo. Now, their client lists include some monster uh, companies like Uber, Interact, Cineplex. They were also behind the Tim Hortons Roll Up the Rim commercials where they had like mockumentaries on basically turning Roll Up the Rim into a sport really well done so that's something that obviously behind the scenes but let's look and see if the sense marketing changes drastically as they move into this next step of the rebuild what i like about this though pilsey is it shows that the organization as they have with inquiring players this summer they're willing to spend money to better the product both on and off the ice yeah and i think that's really important too uh, like Sense fans, we've seen the uh, tough times the last couple of years. I think really you're starting to see that there is a plan in place here. And yes, those years were hard, hard years, but it's always darkest before the dawn. And now I think they're, they're really rolling out a whole new ideology for this franchise. Like you got the new logo, the new jerseys, the big draft, big free agents coming in trades. Like it really seems like the Sense are projecting upwards and they know they need to hit the ground running and get fans excited. You know, be ready for when the buildings are going to open to fans. Try to make this a positive experience again. And hopefully that uh, also includes improving their social media as uh, part of uh, advertising and getting fans involved and supporting community senators content. But uh, that's, that's another talk for another time. But it's good to see that uh, things look good. And yeah, that seems like a really good agency to partner with. Yeah, there's a really cool article, strategyonline.ca has it. So we're tweeting that out right now at Send Central. So if you want to go read that, I would, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's kind of cool if you're interested in more of the off-the-ice stuff. On the ice, albeit on a video game, Pillsy, I know you and I are big Chell guys. It's going to be nice to see that 2D finally incorporated into the game. Oh my God, what took them so long? I don't know about you guys, uh, but uh, I was protesting the old uniforms and I would strictly only use the 06, 07 away jerseys as uh, at least the closest thing to the new jerseys. Even if I was at home, I'd switch the other team to the uh, the color jerseys and make sure we got that old logo on the Sens jerseys. But now we don't have to do that. Well, hey, if you go back just uh, two years earlier, I know they have those jerseys set as 05, 06, but that lockout is where they changed where you wore dark at home. Before that, you wore white at home. So those old school 2Ds would have been what the Sens wore at the Corral Center way back in the day. And one of those Senators who wore those jerseys back then was Alexi Yashin, the former Senator. He left on terrible terms. However, I think that it's all water under the bridge. It was great when you saw Alexi Yashin come to Ottawa for the alumni game on Parliament Hill before the outdoor game that Melnick decided to ruin. Uh, was it Melnick or was it the weather? We were, I was there. It was like minus 25, but I think Melnick's comments were even colder. But it was nice to see Yashin involved in a team event. So hopefully that continues going forward. Pilsy, how much do you think it helps Sens fans move on when you saw the return that came back for Alexi Ashen. What do you mean, Bill McCult? Yeah, Bill McCult and his one goal in 78 games. No, I'm talking about the future Hall of Famer and 
the future Hall of Very Gooder, Jason Spezza. Yeah, de- definitely. That's got to be probably the best trade in Sens history. And especially, like, for them to get such a good return on a disgruntled, uh, like, selfish-looking player is just incredible. Like, sure, he put up the points, but to you think they'd lost a lot of leverage trading Yashin with how unhappy the two sides were, but apparently not. And, uh, yeah, if, if you're ever bored one day, go back and read some of the history of uh, Yashin and the disgruntledness towards the Senators and the contract talks because it is wild. Or the $10 million charity donation he said he was going to make to the NAC and then never followed through Oops. on. So definitely uh, imperfect to say the least. And you think about also he held out for that season and then came back after not playing for the entire 99-2000 season came back and scored 40 goals and had 88 points in 82 games without any letter. Alfie was named captain. Of course, the rest there is history, but you got to give him credit for that, though, coming back and clearly keeping himself in good enough shape, taking a full year off, and then 88 points in 82 games. Not bad. And the year before his lockout, or his holdout, not His lockout. lockout. <laughs> <laughs> 94 points and 44 goals. I think it's undersold how good of a player he was in the NHL. This guy was a Hart nominee one season. Yeah, and he almost won the Calder too. Like this this guy, the accolades beside him are incredible. But yeah, when you look at uh, the questionable off-ice decisions, especially mostly uh, money-fueled decisions, doesn't look so great and leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But like you said, I think it's been enough time and you can appreciate what he did on the ice when he was with the Sens. So Look, happy birthday, Alexei Yashin. We're, uh, it, was, it was good seeing you light it up as an Ottawa senator, but uh, glad that you passed the torch on to Daniel Alfredson, even if you didn't want to pass that torch on. And a lot of people think of Alexander Daig, right? They tanked yeah. to get Daig in that first season. But Alexei Yashin was the first draft pick in Ottawa Ever. Senators history, second overall in 1992. So I think that that in itself should, should stand for something, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, the first ever draft pick for a team is a big deal, especially when they pan out to be a a legit superstar. So definitely a big deal that Yashin was an Ottawa senator. And yeah, it's, it's it's part of the Sens history, as wacky and crazy as it is. A star for sure, Pilsy. I don't know if I'd go so far as superstar. Like, this is a guy who, through his time in Ottawa, you look, 491 points in just over 500 games. His points per game is tied with Brendan Shanahan over that same point, a little bit higher than Peter Nedved and just below Jeremy Roenick and Mark Messier. Let's remember, though, this isn't Mark Messier of the 80s, 90s Messier. You think just under a point per game. You think that's superstar status? Yeah, but look at the teams he did it on. I mean, all those other guys you mentioned were on great teams, even Stanley Cup contending teams. Yashin did this on one of the worst expansion teams ever. Yeah. I, that's a fair fair point, especially when you look back at his first season. Remember we were talking about Mike Peluso when we were talking about the, uh, the All-American team and how we'd have him on our team any day. He left, and then Yashin came, but Yashin was minus 49, yet still put up 79 points in 83 games as a rookie. So How did he have 83 games? They, they used to play 84. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that changed. That's actually uh, – that'd be interesting to look up, but – Maybe it was during that 95-96 lockout. 
And, and another, uh, like we already talked about it, but another stat that I think brings him from star to superstars. Yeah, like you said, he took a year off and came back. Like it didn't look like he missed an entire year of professional hockey. He just stepped right back into it. So I, I'm, I'm willing to declare Yashin was definitely a superstar. Are you surprised when I tell you he was only captain in Ottawa for one season? Well, not when you look at the contract disputes and uh, everything that happened off the ice. No, not surprised. On the ice, yeah, maybe. But, hey, look, everything happens for a reason. Thank God that happened because that brought in Daniel Alfredson, the best captain in Senators history. Perfect place to end for today. We'll be back tomorrow with more and maybe start our breakdown of the Sens roster and how we project it to look whenever training camp could start also happy birthday to philippe daoust we're seeing on twitter right now philippe daoust the send sixth round pick has turned 19 he's off to a good start but a long way to go before we see him in ottawa for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day